had enough of the been there, done that ideas, tired of too much talk and so little action. Rewind now and welcome to Transformation and Change Radio with Dr. Kathy O'Bear, where the vision of true equity, inclusion, courage, and purpose meet powerfully. Dr. Kathy delivers with dynamic, engaging conversation and the most authentically brave dialogue on air today. This hit show will challenge you to explore current issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion and deepen your capacity to choose courage to speak up to greater inclusion in everything you do. Fasten your seatbelts and accelerate your effectiveness to become a powerful change agent in your life, community, job, and society. Imagine true equity and inclusion and get the tools to really manifest your vision. No frills, no fluff, just really powerful, good stuff. Transformation and Change Radio starts now. Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Kathy O'Bear. Thanks for tuning in to Transformation and Change Radio, where every month we talk about practical, actionable strategies for you to create inclusive, high-performing organizations. So stay tuned for the next hour because we're going to look at creating inclusive teams from the start or if you feel you need a restart. You know, whether you're coming off a summer vacations as a team or you're starting a new quarter, it's a great time to invest in efforts to create more inclusive teams. Or whether you're starting a new project team, task force, or committee, or you've added new members to existing team, because even if it's mostly the same team, every time you add one new person, it's a whole new team and you have to do more team development, team building, negotiate engagement agreements. Or again, if you just want to hit restart and refresh because your existing team is bumping into some dysfunction, some unproductivity. So just like we need to weed, like I am in my garden most every day, it's critical that teams periodically reflect on their climate, the culture of the work environment, and shift any unproductive work environment dynamics, unproductive comments, behaviors, and recreate their norms. So I'm going to share some ideas, activities that today you could take back to your meetings and or plan a mini retreat to deepen the capacity for you to revitalize your team, enhance performance, productivity, so that everybody values and leverages the diversity and the ideas among all team members. You'll get skills to co-create, reinforce critical group norms to improve working relationships ones that ensure effective engagement, creativity, collaborations, all this sounding good, and some tools to refocus everyone's effort on the organizational core missions and values. You know, a recent Gallup study was just out called the Manager Experience, said that managers account to, their word, astounding 70% of the variance in team engagement. And so all the other trainings people might go to, hiring high-capacity people, and yet All that's critical, but it's the manager's impact, how much they really engage people, that will make the difference, 70% of what's possible. Significant influence on employee retention. And there's a recent Price Waterhouse Cooper survey. They looked at 19,000 employees and they found the second most common reason that employees quit due to the supervisor lacking respect. Supervisors lacking respect. And so the tools I'm gonna offer today These are what I wish I'd had in my toolkit to learn how to create respectful, inclusive, high-performing teams. When I was a manager over 35 years ago, I would have been far more successful, a far better value organization if I'd done the things that I'm now suggesting that you do. Since then, I've consulted to organizations. I've done these activities, deepening capacity of teams, 
is my best ideas for what works. So I hope you're ready. Now, the first thing is you got to get clear on yourself. What do you believe is the vision of an inclusive, healthy, productive workplace, a high-performing team? And you've got to get clear yourself what you're looking for. So imagine a workplace where all employees thrive. These are some of mine. They have a deep sense of belonging. I want all work environments to have people that feel respected for who they are, valued for their work, and the dynamics are created so they can contribute to their full potential. Is this getting close to your vision? Or is your vision also where all employees work collaboratively across difference, leveraging those differences to create innovative products and services, where they develop new solutions to meet the ever-changing needs of the increasingly diverse clients you serve and want to serve, and that employees take the initiative to anticipate and fulfill customer needs. Can you imagine teams working collegially, collaboratively, minimizing those silos so they produce top quality work the first time? That's what I want, without wasting time and resources redoing sloppy work. So that's my vision. How close is it to yours? Because it is possible to create teams that reach that vision, yet in reality, most organizations, most teams are far from this. Is Is your organization, your team more like this? They face daily struggles as they experience miscommunication, misunderstanding, increased tension, unproductive conflict, finger pointing, blame games, workplace gossip, and their projects and services, they quote work together, but they really miss the mark because they're losing the best ideas of some of the employees. Now, I'm finding these days, employees are often dreading coming to work. They won't tell you that. But when they talk to me offline during workshops or Zoom calls, counting the hours, minutes till they can leave, some are so burned out, they're just doing the minimum to get by. They're physically there, but they're not fully present, not fully engaged. And they're just plain tired, exhausted, running on empty. The other concern I have about not having high-performing teams is your top talent is leaving through the revolving door. The current workforce does not often reflect the group memberships or the clients you serve or want to serve, and leaders and managers are facing increasing demands to have the demographics of their teams reflect the employee employee base, really reflect those you serve, and also not only demographically, but far greater cultural competence at all levels of the organization. So when I talk to leaders in this way, They're like, yeah, I want that vision. I agree with what unproductivity is happening to my bottom line and revolving door, but I don't know what to do. And they're like, now what? High-performing, inclusive teams don't miraculously form. It takes intentional, persistent planning, execution, very strategic leadership and management to develop and maintain, sustain them. And so I want to share some skills approaches today that'll help you form inclusive, high-performing teams or refresh your team's effectiveness, team meetings or the retreat. So some more self-reflection for you. Again, what does an inclusive team mean to you? What's your vision? What are your intentions, your hoped for outcomes? And so you may even wanna pause this radio show and write them all out. I offered you mine earlier, but what do you wanna manifest? What's your vision? And then more importantly almost, Take a look at the organizational vision, values, mission, strategic plan, and see what the organization says they want 
around inclusion and high performance and see how close your ideas, your hopes are to that. Some managers I work with, their vision far outruns what the organization has. And some managers I work with are nowhere close to the stated intended vision of the organization. So make sure you align, if not go a little farther. And if you do go farther, make sure your top leader understands that. You talk to HR about what your intentions are so that they realize what you're doing. I just want to make sure you don't have any backlash coming after you do some great work. And then we need to think about where to begin. Your current state, morale, productivity, innovation, retention, how close is that to where you want the vision you have for the outcomes for a high-inclusive, high-performing team? Now, once you're clear, got a plan to bring the team together in the conversation, not... You say, here's what I think, and so that's what we're going to do. Nope, I just want to make sure you're clear and you're as aligned to your highest possible vision as possible. And then, whether it's retreat or a series of team meetings where you use an outside facilitator at a retreat, you have to have several conversations with folks. And the first conversation I want to suggest you have is to start with celebrating progress, how far we've come. I think a trap is managers want to jump into what's not working well And when we come in with that negative bias, it'll bring down morale and folks may not be ready to have the trust, ready to speak honestly. And so I would always start with celebrating progress. And how you can do that, again, in a meeting or a mini retreat or a full day retreat, have someone find a partner, maybe someone they don't work with as much, and discuss what's the progress that you've seen on this team in the last six to 12 months? What have we done well? Individual efforts that have helped us achieve our organizational goals and collective efforts. Now, that might be the entire team or it might be subgroups, but each person gets some time to reflect, make some notes. It's even better if you give them these questions before the meeting and the retreat for reflective learners, introverts. Have people share that in partners and then hear that out in the large group. You might even want to chart it and have people personally give each other appreciations, maybe even more than they wrote down. That sort of um, positive start will get people with the energy to eventually, if it's a full day, I wouldn't start doing it till mid-afternoon, but eventually to start looking out. That's how far we've come. Now, how far do we need to go? But we first have to get people really feeling they're a part of a meaningful team. Now, there are a lot more tools and strategies to create inclusive, high-performing teams from the start or refresh team dynamics, but you might be listening to this radio show going, wait, it's not my job. They hire me just to get things done and produce. Well, you're not alone. A lot of managers and leaders think they only have to do so much and they should just hire high-performing people. And you can have the most top talent, but if you're not paying attention to relationships, teamwork, and just ongoing maintenance of the team, they're going to drift off sooner or later and leave. And as Brene Brown and maybe some other folks over the decades have said something like, leaders must either invest a reasonable amount of time attending to fears and feelings or squander an unreasonable amount of time trying to manage ineffective and unproductive behavior. So what I'm suggesting is an investment up front in your team. It'll save you days of conflict resolution, HR, grievance reports, and maybe even suits, in my opinion. High-performing teams increase productivity, innovation, customer service, retention. And these are the tools we need. We have to be planful and proactive. All right, so here's some more. 
Here's all I like to do. After a conversation, after the team's progress, having people really sit with and appreciate what they're hearing, then have them talk about passion, get them with a new partner, and have them reflect on something like this. What's the source of your passion, your commitment as a member of this team for creating inclusive teams that accelerate the persistent success of all our employees on this team? So why are you personally committed, passionate about having a team where everybody's doing their best work, serving the customer, and working really effectively together? And that might include inclusive policies, practices, programs, services, so we really meet the needs of the full breadth of the people we serve. Again, have people reflect. They can draw pictures, talk with a partner, and then share as a full team. And make sure by now all voices have been in from these two first prompts. Then the next useful step might be to clarify what's their vision of a high-performing team proactively so they can create a work climate that minimizes unproductive team behaviors. And then collectively co-create team engagement agreements. So here's what I recommend. You're going to be identifying how we've been working together effectively and then set some new agreements that increases teamwork, collaborative efforts, productivity. So again, I'd have them find a new partner. And here's why I'm having them switch. Often when I've been on teams, there after a while, there's some people I really like working with and some, it's kind of like plaque buildup on teeth. I'm extroverting right now, so it may or may not work. But it's like every time somebody interrupts me or puts me down or doesn't like my idea or is rude to me, it just starts to build up. And so when we're in a team meeting or retreat and I get to choose who I want to work with, I'm going to work with a few people that I really love working with. Whereas in these kind of retreats, use every opportunity to renew individual relationships one-on-one. And I might get to talk to someone and realize I've frozen them in time that uh, two months ago they did something and I was like, I'm just rejecting them. And today they show up really effective. So we're renewing individual relationships as well as the whole team. So we're talking about creating a co, co-creating an inclusive team. So the first question, have them talk about a highly effective, inclusive, productive team, high performing team, as close as they can get to that. Any time in their life, it might have been a sports team, might have been a religious organization, it may have been a family team, a neighborhood team. Anytime, and ask the question. Talk about how you felt you mattered, how your voice, your ideas were valued and considered. And as a team, a group, you were really productive. Doesn't mean you were perfect, doesn't mean there weren't setbacks, but overall, it was really a place of belonging and high productivity. And as they're making notes, the second part of this is, so how did people engage specifically? What were the effective behaviors? What were the ways they worked together? What did the manager do that really contributed to forming a team that was highly creative, productive, great teamwork? So give them some time to think about the specific actions and dynamics. When they mattered, their voice was considered. And then have them share with a partner and then share as a large group. Just hear that out. And you might even want to chart or the specific behaviors, dynamics that help people feel high-performing team, included, valued, respected. Now, you know where I'm going. Same partner. You can have them then talk about a not-so-effective team, but without any names. Have them talk a team environment where they felt disrespected, excluded, their voice wasn't valued, or other people's voices weren't valued, there were clicks, whatever the dynamics were, 
but they weren't very productive or inclusive. And what happened specifically that had you feel, hmm, I didn't feel very included, specific behaviors, and then results. What was the impact on productivity, creativity, customer service, morale, retention? So this one is not very productive, not very high-performing, not very inclusive. And then specifically what it was that people did, no names. And then what was the impact on key business outcomes? Again, do that with a partner. Share that out. And then you may want to ask, in those teams, what, if anything, did anyone do to intervene to create a more inclusive team environment? And when they did that, what was the impact on you and others? So you could literally end up with three charts. One is, what is a high-performing team, behaviors that people do? The middle one, not so much behaviors, attitudes, ways of engaging that were just ineffective. And then when people intervened, how did they intervene and what was the impact? Discussing all these could be a ways to help people really identify ways to increase team effectiveness and highlight behaviors to avoid. And if you're wanting some handouts, there are a number of free resources with actually all my radio shows. You just go to the main website. But with this one, there's a recording of a webinar around uh, creating inclusive classrooms, inclusive teams. And in that, that packet has a couple handouts that'll be useful. One is a whole list of unproductive behaviors, uh, a list of group norms, um, and I'll talk about it in a moment too, some others. But just those handouts might be really helpful as you think about, you want a little more structure, a little more self-reflection. So what you've just done, have had people tell you what's a high-performing team and what isn't, in some ways that's really leading towards what's their vision. And so the next step, if you're scaffolding this, the question could be, and this could be a large group, small groups, individual, and then some discussion, whatever you like. What team climate do you work best in? So we've just warmed people up. They've heard what each other said. Now, individually, they need to reflect, when am I at my best? What are the team dynamics where I'm at my best? So they're kind of coming up with themes and issues. You can discuss that and see if you can read some team consensus any ones that aren't in consensus, you may want to talk about because it may just be language or terms, but my guess is you're going to get very close to what people are asking for. So now you have kind of the vision of a high-performing team. Sometimes I have people actually draw pictures. What's the work environment where you're at your best? Have them draw on, you know, eight and a half by 11, put it up on a wall, have people wander around like it's an art gallery and then see what the themes are. They pull out, chart those and have people add to it. So at this point, you can ask the team, so to create and maintain our best working environment, really working together to provide exceptional service, meaningful productivity, really create inclusive, supportive workplace for everyone, so we all perform at our best. Therefore, what are the engagement guidelines that we want to negotiate together, co-create, and then work towards working within during team meetings, retreats, one-on-ones, small groups, task forces, whatever we're doing. Now, some people call these norms, working agreements. I like engagement guidelines, but whatever term you want to use. Again, in the packet at the webinar um, that I'll mention again in a minute, there's a list. I think I have 14 that are my favorite. You can either use my list, pull out a list you've used before, Look at all the different workshops you've ever been in, compile your own list, or you may want to start from scratch. 
And people have already talked about an inclusive team, an unproductive team, and so they're already warmed up. And so they could either look at a list and add to it, brainstorm specifically, how do we want to engage each other? Uh, and then you're discussing, negotiating until there's agreement. And when people say, I want respect, you want to say, well, what does respect mean to you? And does respect mean anything different to anyone else? You want to unpack words like honest, respect, present, confidentiality. Words that if you've been in enough workshops, they're very roll off people's tongue, but really having the team discuss what does that mean to me? Because to be honest, respect will look very different for most of the folks. So let them talk about that. Agree to the engagement guidelines and then say, how can we work together to ensure these guidelines happen in all of our meetings in one-on-one? And so there's another handout in my packet, Panning with an Inclusion Lens. And again, that's a webinar handout packet. That is a list of, I think, 21 tools and skills, what to be looking for in meetings, who's interrupting who, who has airtime, who doesn't, whose ideas plop. And so you could train people. You could have it in your meetings. One person, every meeting plus you is watching that handout just to notice group dynamics. And then you rotate that every meeting. And so by the end of maybe six months, if not sooner, everybody has been the process observer of the meetings. And at the end of the meeting, you give them a chance to share, huh, what did you see that we did pretty well around our working agreements, our engagement guidelines, and what are some ways that we could improve? You can also have the guidelines you agree to on every agenda. I've had some teams post it on a newsprint and pop it up on the wall where they meet. And before the meeting, have people look at it, just remind them at the end of the meeting, everyone looks at it as a group. How did we do? What can we do even more effectively next time? So another tool to help create high-performing, inclusive teams is to raise everyone's awareness of unproductive meeting behaviors. Now, they would have mentioned some in the dyads, the pairs I just talked about. But in the packet, unproductive meeting behaviors is a great list. I think it's like 39 or 40 very common meeting behaviors that just undermine creativity, innovation, teamwork, and they happen one-on-one as well as large groups. And so I just ask people which ones they've observed, which ones they've done, and which have they maybe done or seen on this team. So in general, what have they seen? And on this team, which ones seem to be some patterns? Unintended, people get excited, they're focused on the task, and yet how we engage is as important as task completion. In fact, it might be more. If we're not engaging, we're not getting the tasks done. And so you just hand this out to people. And have them check off what's familiar, what they've done, and what's the impact when this goes unaddressed in our team. You know, some things like people make inappropriate comments or jokes trying to be funny. They belittle the comments of others. A real common one is side conversations. Or one person takes, one person takes up an inordinate amount of time. You might call it dominating. They talk more frequently. And they're really focused on what they're saying as opposed to doing deep, respectful listening of others. I've been in rooms where people making snide, sarcastic comments. Now, I have a sarcastic streak in me, and I can make sarcastic comments. What's different is I believe my intent is humorous, engaging, and I've been in rooms where sarcasm has been intended to be belittling and undermining. So, again, intention matters, and usually on teams, snide, sarcastic comments is not a good idea. I need to remember that. You notice whose ideas gets dismissed. Is there an overly aggressive tone or forceful style, which is different from passion, 
but sometimes folks in our passion, particularly folks of marginalized identities, get um, accused of being aggressive and forceful bullies when we're as passionate as people in all their privileged identities, but they're not called aggressive in the same way. I've seen people try to raise their voice to silence others, patronizing, condescending attitudes, and I've seen people take credit for other people's work and ideas. So that's just a handful of the ones that are the 39, and there's many more than even on my list, but it might be useful to get that handout, use it, and then have people talk about impact of these behaviors, even if they're unintended, and particularly across group membership from people in privileged to marginalized identities, whether it's men to women, heterosexuals to lesbian, gay, bisexual, cisgender, to gender nonconforming, transgender folk, whites to folk of color, U.S. born to immigrants, people with masters or doctorates to folks with college or high school degrees. You see where I'm going with this. More experienced to newer employees. So these are not fun anyway, but when they come from someone with privilege, supervisor to team member, they have a double, triple whammy. And then discuss as a team, even if they say none of these happen, then it's like, great, and what if they do? What if we get in a stressful conflict and we lose our attention to these group norms? What do we do if some of these happen and have them talk about that? You might even have them role play what they might do. Now, in my handout packet, I have something called PAIRS, P-A-I-R-S, the skills, uh, pay attention now, panning, ask questions, interrupt, intervene, relate in, share, feelings, stories, observations. And so PAIRS is an acronym which has a lot of the tools that I use to start a conversation after an unproductive moment. And so whether you use that handout or the one that's after it, engaging tools, or you may have a whole bunch of skills and tools from your organizations already been trained. How do you deal with difficult situations, microaggressions? Just have people practice. Do some, what would you do if? Take some of the scenarios, the case studies that they say already happen or could happen. And then every meeting or so, quick case studies or role plays and have people talk about what could you do if. And then in a meeting, if someone does try to intervene or reshift a dynamic, as leader, point it out, appreciate them, and ask the folks, what did you like about what so-and-so did, um, and what was the impact? Because most of your folks will say, I personally don't want to do and say anything that undermines our team, and if I do, I want to know. So get their buy-in when you're doing the engagement guidelines that they want to know if their behavior crosses a line, and maybe even teach people how to do feedback in a way that is most likely to be heard by somebody. Now, be sure to check in with the team regularly, one-on-one -on -one in your supervisory meetings. How are we doing? Take the pulse one-on-one. -on -one, and then as a team, let's say you do a retreat. And then next meeting, how'd the treat go? How are we doing? And then every two or three months, really be asking the team, how are we doing on our team dynamics? Interrupting unproductive behaviors. How are we doing on our engagement guidelines? What else? And so you start with celebrations, appreciations. You talk about passion, their vision for a high-performing team, and then you co-create the vision as well as set up or revise those engagement agreements. That is what you can do at a retreat. And then if you have time, then or a follow-up mini-retreat, it could be really important to really deepen relationships and help people understand each other by doing deeper team building. And I'm just going to brainstorm with you some of the topics that I've done that I know other groups do. But have they recently done the Myers-Briggs 
workplace inventory or strengths quest or things like that. I actually think using uh, equity inclusion, diversity, foundational training activities could be really powerful to help people um, build relationships and get to know each other. Socialization experiences, career timeline, conflict styles, navigating difficult situations. My course could be a wonderful team building. And then self-care, team care. So take a deep breath. Before we go to break, I just want you to remember how to access these resources I've been mentioning. So again, they're all on the website on the radio show. But if you go to my drkathyorbear.com, so my website, backslash inclusive-teams-webinar, inclusive-teams-webinar. That's where you find the webinar and the handout, creating inclusive teams and classrooms. So if you're doing workshops, you happen to know people in K-12 or college, the classroom part might be good too. There's also a self-assessment for inclusion practitioners, which you'll see that link on the Transformation Radio Show. My masterclass for inclusion practitioners, my website, drkathyabaird.com backslash masterclass would give you lots of experience and tools in the learning community with me starting August 23rd for the next 12 weeks to really come together to learn these skills and tools personally with me to develop how to create high-performing teams. And the final thing before break, if you want to do this on your own and yet you haven't developed much skill or capacity designed to facilitate workshops, my webinar, I mean my website backslash facilitation course, all one word, come along. It's a great, engaging, self-paced course to really learn about designing, facilitating workshops. So we'll be back in 30 seconds. You're listening to Kathy O'Bear, Transformation and Change Radio. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Celebrating 40 years of peace through music. Dr. Pat Basili is thrilled to be partnering with Dudley and Dean Evanson, co-founders of Soundings of the Planet. Music and video created for peace and healing. Immerse yourself in benefits of music for meditation, relaxation, and stress reduction. This peaceful and meditative form of music is available for free on all streaming services. Search Dean Evanson on Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, and iTunes, or visit soundings.com for more information. Do you want the knowledge and wisdom to understand where spirituality, science, and psychology intersect? Then join the Karmic Path Radio Show with Tina and Laura on TransformationTalkRadio.com, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific. Follow this charmingly, disarmingly dynamic duo as they explore how psychic ability, spirituality, and karmic law tie together. For more information on Tina, Laura, and their groundbreaking work, visit TheKarmicPath.com.
It's time to step into the power of yes. Creating the life you want is up to you. The power comes from saying yes to ourselves, yes to possibilities, and yes to change. Are you ready? Start achieving your goals and moving life in the direction you want. Tune in each month to Yes Minded Power Radio with Barbara Scheidegger to start living your future now. For more information about the show and working with Barbara, visit yesmindedpower.com. What is a brilliant culture and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. And we're back on Transformation Change Radio. I'm Dr. Kathy O'Baron. We're talking about creating inclusive teams from the start, or what do you do if you realize you need a restart, a refresh? And so we've been talking about the foundation of first starting with celebration, creating our vision of a high-performing team, negotiating engagement agreements, how do we engage unproductive meeting behaviors, and then deeper team building. Again, you can do that in a one or two day retreat and can also do this over time. And then at that point, your team might be ready to engage in conversations about, so what's our current state and how close are our current behaviors to the vision we have of an inclusive, high-performing team? Now, at the beginning of the show, I warned you, it's one of the traps to jump into this before you have good group norms, some engagement around vision, and have people really talk about what are some of the unproductive behaviors that undermine their capacity to be at their best. All of that is strategically scaffolded so that there's more capacity, trust, and clarity so that people might get honest and say, here's some things we're doing well, and here are two or three behaviors that are getting in my way, and I'd love us to talk about it. And so the overall you're trying to do is to get people to talk about how inclusive, productive are we really as a team? How is our work climate? And one way to do this instead of a trap could be, so how are we doing? And leave it up to folk to fill it in. Most folks will probably back away from that open-ended question. Is I like to do continuums. And again, you can give these to folks before the meeting. This might be the second mini retreat. From zero, not at all, to 10, very effective, to how we reflect on these and come with some notes about what we do well and what they would like to see different. That will increase the chances that folks might choose courage, choose bravery, and show up to actively suggest ways that we can improve as a team. So here are some of the continuums that I like to do. Decision-making and planning. How are we doing? Not at all, very effective. And again, what's your data? So if you choose a seven, What do you think we're doing well that has you at a seven? And what would get you to a nine or a 10? What else could we be doing? Now, you can do this verbally. You can also have people literally do moving continuums where they zero one side of the room, 10 the other, and decision planning. Go move to where you think we are, turn to a partner, discuss, and then large group we discuss. The next continuum I like to do is collaboration degree of teamwork. Not at all very effective. Productivity and creativity. Now, again, you can separate some of these. I have about eight or nine, and so 
That's why I kind of combine them because this can get old by the time you do a lot of moving continuums. But you could do two or three moving continuums and then the rest have them back where they were just talking. The next one, capacity to recognize and interrupt microaggressions and other unproductive behaviors. How do we do? And capacity doesn't mean we know how to do it. It's our demonstrated capacity to effectively do it. Another one, valuing and respecting differences. Day to day, how well are we valuing and respecting the full breadth of differences among our team members and those among our customers? Another one that I like is supporting learning and growth of others so that the whole team, whether they're doing peer coaching, you set up some mentoring, some more experienced and newer folk, they're sharing in team development, individual development as well, and not you, supervisor, the only one responsible. Now, you're not abdicating, but you're engaging all the folks in support our collective learning and growth, our collective growth, and individually. How are we doing? Communication and engagement is a critical one. Capacity to resolve disagreements and conflict. Our capacity to have authentic conversations among all team members. And so that was, I think, eight continuums. You might have different ones. You want to look back at what your vision was, what the organization says at once, you might want to do some variations, so it's really tied to that. And again, questions beforehand, so we can talk about progress and successes, but also what gets in our way and what are ideas to improve. And so clearly ask them for practices, team dynamics, leadership behaviors, what's getting in our way, and what suggestions do you have to improve productivity, customer service, our efficiency, Communication, innovation, or decision-making, navigating difficult agreements, navigating disagreements, conflicts. And then at the retreat, you can do that moving continuum, or you can put people at stations. Each of these continuums at a station, conflict, productivity, respecting differences, communication, decision-making. Break your folk up. Now, if you only have six or eight people, I at least want two people per station. So you have a few stations and then they move to another one. You're just rotating around until everyone's been to each chart. And what are we doing well? And what are some ideas how we can improve? Now, if they're in small groups, they may not yet feel, um, unless you've done the continuum, they may not feel ready to share what their ideas for improvement, but they might. You can also have people write it down. Um, let's say they filled out a survey beforehand. What do you think we're doing well? What can we improve in each of these areas? You sum it up and maybe, you know, take the names off and maybe two people volunteer to work with you to make sure they trust you, that you took all the comments. And then you give that document out to folks so that they see, here's what people say we're doing well. Five people said this, three said this, seven people said we should improve this way, 12 this way. That kind of data could really help accentuate and elevate voices of people who may not speak up verbally in these kind of team settings. Now, another way to generate this is uh, put up all the different continuums on the wall and have people go vote. You know, you can have the zero to 10. So if you don't want to do the moving continuum, give them, you know, stickers and have them just go put on the number that they think the team is. And that way people would get a, a quick visual uh, and then some individual reflections. What can we do? So you start with decision making, write down half a sheet of paper, what do we, three things we do well, three things we could do to improve, fold it up, trade it, and then we read them all into the room and capture them on a chart. Or you put people in a small group with that one and to capture it 
write out collaboration, trade them, give to a small group to then put on a chart what people said. Um, and I haven't conquered this yet, but some people can use those, um, use your phones to vote. So again, if your team, especially if you're doing it several levels in an area, uh, have them vote on their computer or phones to type in what they believe and all of it gets put up on the screen. Once you get a list of ways to improve, you can use the stickers again, give everybody eight or 10 stickers and prioritize in your opinion. What, what are the ones we could do first? What would you like to see? Or give them a number of checks they can use if, uh, to check them off or put people in small groups to discuss or just large group. But if you do it large group, you may want outside facilitation. It's hard as a leader to lead these kind of how far we've come, how far we need to go because they're talking about you as a leader sometimes. And so having an outside facilitator can help you hear what's being said as well as participate without maybe being seen as defensive. Another key question to be asking people is how will we know we've met the goals? We said what our vision is. We've now said where we think we are and what can get us to where we wanna be. Day to day, what would be different in our engagements, what would be different in our planning, our decision-making, our relationships, if we get much closer to our vision and have people talk about that. It's almost like you're resetting the GPS. And even those may seem similar to the vision, that was maybe a month or two ago you did the first retreat. So repetition is critical. So as you've looked at the gaps between the vision of a high-performing team and the current state, you not only gather these ideas and then you got to implement them. And so whether you do that, small groups are assigned a piece to come up with a plan or you just as leaders say, I'll take all this and I'll come back and tell you what I'm thinking. You have to implement, then ask it how it's going, get feedback, adjust as needed and just continuous improvement. If you ask people's opinion, what needs to change and you do not significantly change or you fall back into old habits, they will not tell you the next time. It's a huge risk for them to tell you over and over what needs to change, especially saying that to you as leader. So honor their gifts of brave feedback to plan how to implement and just keep assessing, evaluating, and continuous improvement. So now at the end of these type of staff meetings, mini retreats, always end with some kind of questions like, what I've appreciated about our team today, what I've appreciated about this experience, how I see us working differently, more effectively than before, what I, you know, what's the progress we're seeing even after a half day together, one learning I'm taking with me, one thing I intend to do differently to help our team be even more effective and inclusive in my role, and maybe even other trainings or issues I want us to discuss. So any and all of those, I kind of like them all. So it's kind of like a next steps where you're closing out as well as what do we want to do moving forward individually and what we can do as a team. Because what we're doing is not just about restarting or starting a team from the beginning. It's really about shifting the climate, the culture, and the infrastructure of how we work together to create greater high-performing inclusive teams. We have to intentionally continue to build the team through not only these mini retreats, but maybe even monthly optional underlying exclamation point, optional social activities. Now, people of different generations might have different desires or needs or people with different life you know, responsibilities. And yet having once a month 
every six weeks, optional social activities for the team. Whoever wants to come, help staff kind of de-stress a bit, laugh, not have to talk about work. It can really deepen working relationships across differences outside of planful, stressful meetings. Now, too many organizations I've worked with thought, well, let's go golfing. Let's go drinking after hours. I'm not saying don't do those, but maybe only one out of five is golf and one out of five is going to a bar. Have the group come up with other ways that we can be hanging out. And again, they can vote which ones they like. I was thinking mini golf. You can probably tell the things I like. I like games night so they can meet at someone's house and again, have a family friendly so people can bring folks of different ages and maybe movies are in different rooms for different age groups and then staff that want to hang out and play poker, play Pictionary, play Taboo, whatever it might be. Bowling, again, now some of these have different accessibility needs, but bowling could be fun. Going and doing pottery together. So all kinds of ideas to give people different ways to connect, interact, that might actually break through some of the tension and conflict that's been building up without a mini retreat. But I recommend at least twice a year, start now at the beginning of the quarter, in this case, fall quarter, and maybe in January, beginning of that quarter, a retreat that's engaging and meaningful, that's professional development. And so whatever you didn't do before, if you didn't do the DISC or the Myers-Briggs or conflict styles with strength deployment inventory, or if you haven't done navigating triggers or self-care, do one. So twice a year, you do something that's deeper team building. And after two or three years, you might have exhausted my list, but there probably are other workshops HR in your area or people in your area can offer. And then you may want to do after the second mini retreat or even the first is assign people into pairs to this week, go meet half hour, have coffee, tea, and just talk about insights, learnings, and then come back to our staff meeting to tell us what you talked about. Do that for about three or four weeks. It's going to build relationships across relationships they usually have. All of this underlining and emphasizing that we're always under construction. We will never be a perfect high-performing team, but continuous improvement individually and collectively is what we're looking for. And always as a leader say, and I always want you to raise issues, raise ideas, concerns, give me feedback in team meetings individually. I am open. I'm inviting you. It's an open invitation. Help me think with you about how to have this team be more high performing than it is. Now, I have just a few other thoughts because you can create workshops like I'm talking about. And if you have new staff, they're going to be dropped into a team that is really already fully formed and you're trying to renegotiate some things with a new person or two. And that's going to take a lot of work. And so in the short term, I want you to really focus on if you've got some new people joining your team, make sure the orientation and transition is well-planned. And I like to have it a six and 12-month orientation. If your organization doesn't do that, you can pilot something with HR and maybe they'll make it and implement it for everyone. So in addition to whatever HR does, human resources does, I would encourage you to have a transition team in your area. Now, if your area is only eight people, maybe two people. If your area is 10 to 12, maybe three, four. And for every new hire, they get to talk with a team member once they're hired and just get to know them and ask them what they're hoping um, 
in the environment, on the team, as well as what in the area they have interest in. And so they might want to know about schools. They may want to know about hair care. And they may want to know about different religious or spiritual organizations or um, culturally uh, different cultural groups that might get together. So just what are their interests? And could you gather some links for them just to help them learn uh, who they could go talk to? They might truly still be looking for a place to live. And so Again, I wouldn't recommend realtors necessarily, but your organization might. So just helping them or at least find a website where there are a lot of realtors. Once they're about to come into your organization, the transition team working with you, but can make sure the office or the cubicle is well set up with all the electronics they need. They have all the keys they need. And I would just offer some light decorations, whether it's balloons, unless ecologically you don't want that. Some welcome cards, some nice welcome gifts, maybe a little plant or two, big sign, welcome with their name. So anybody not in the unit walks by, notice a new employee's coming, have it up a couple days before so people know when they're coming, let everybody know so they know to stop by and say hello. And then the day they come, literally meet them at the door. Or if they're a virtual employee, meet them online. But if they've got boxes to bring in, find a way to help do that, get them in, and make sure lunch that day and maybe for the next five to seven days if they want. They've got people they can go with, whether you invite them or you're setting them up to meet different partners that they need to begin to meet. But ask them if they're a severe introvert, they may not want this. But if like me, I would have loved to have lunches set up for the first five to seven days so that I could meet a lot of people and have the time just to kind of settle in. But meeting with the uh, transition team once a month for a while where they can ask questions, kind of the unwritten norms, the rules, the organizations, the what do you do if. Now, they're going to be asking you as a supervisor, but you may not, A, have all the answers, and B, enough time for all their scores of questions. So I'd have some on the transition team just taking notes of what they said and maybe sending that to you just in case you have a different opinion. But in getting many more people involved in the onboarding of new staff will really set the stage for an inclusive, high-performing team And so when you come together to have these mini retreats, there'll already be a foundation of relationships and understanding, and then the person might be able to move in more quickly to participate. Of course, you're going to want very regular planned supervisory meetings with the individuals that are brand new, and you might even want to do a small group. If you've brought three people into your team in the last few months, pull them together every month or so. What's going on? How's it going? Ideas you have? They may not share critiques or what's needed to improve in front of the whole team, but they might with you one-on-one or in just folks that are newer and really say, new people to the team can help us. You'll see things that are uninclusive faster than we will because you're fresh. And so what are you noticing? Now, that self-assessment for inclusion practitioners I mentioned earlier on that website, it's not only on my website, but on the radio show's website, you could have people take that not only when they come in new to an organization, but your existing team, a brand new task force, and have them say, what are their competencies? What are their strengths? And what areas they want to keep growing? And so maybe you want a subgroup that does professional development. Yes, you might work with them. You might lead the the mini retreats or have a facilitator do it. But ongoing professional development, this inclusion practitioner assessment can be really useful to help people look at the types of skills they want to develop. And then also, what are the topics and areas of knowledge they want to develop further that might be related to the actual content of what you do 
and or related to all issues that are infused in like equity inclusion into everything we do. And so find out from HR, what are the courses they're teaching each year and add that to the assessment and maybe they can come in and do something just for the team while you're also sending people out. Again, after people identified what their personal development goals are, follow up and one-on-one supervision as well as performance appraisals because their issues might not be the group's issues, but how can they keep growing? All skill development helps us be a higher performing team. It's not just a retreat here and there. But again, you got to refresh every six months or so, if not sooner, to take the pulse of the climate, satisfaction on group dynamics, assess progress towards your goal. How well are we implementing the changes we talked about last time? Realign what we said we would do so that we do it even better. Restructure our meetings, how I do supervision, how we do professional development. All of this in the whole collective will help you start a new team fresh if you're leading a brand new team or if you're adding new people to the team, how to get everybody working closer together moving forward. Or if you're getting the same team as back this fall, how to refresh and restart, bring in a lot of new energy and redirect towards the vision where we're going. Take a deep breath. I hope you found some of these useful. And I guarantee you, at least the feedback I'm getting, the resources I want to remind you of, people found very helpful. Again, these are free resources, some of them. The webinar, Create Inclusive Teams and Classrooms from the Start. And it's drkathyrobert.com. Just put on my website for all these resources. This one is backslash inclusive-teams-webinar. A free, probably 75-minute webinar with that packet of handouts. And I think you'll find them very useful. Also, the self-assessment for inclusion practitioners, that's on the radio show site of my page. And then a couple of virtual courses that I teach that your organization may want to invest in you or a cadre of people to come. The Masterclass for Inclusion Practitioners is a great place to get all kinds of tools to create inclusive teams, create inclusive organizations overall, how to navigate difficult situations in greater depth, how do you create self-care and team care, and so that is drkathyabaird.com backslash masterclass. And then again, if you want to develop your own skills, or you want two or three people on your team to be colleagues of yours and help them develop the capacity to facilitate workshops and learn how to design workshops, drkathyabaird.com backslash facilitation course, all one word. So I'm getting great feedback on this course. Self-paced. Lots of videos, and then we come together twice a month live with me, where people face-to-face on Zoom can ask any question, talk about any issues. We've designed workshops during that hour live, and so could support some of your folks and you thinking about, well, how do I design a mini-retreat? What could that look like? We could do it there, plus you're deepening internal capacity to then have people be able to show up and help you lead some of these mini-retreats. And if you just want to get on a call to learn more about how to access the online courses, what you could be doing, and maybe if you want to bring me your organization, just go to my website, drkathyberry.com backslash contact. Again, all this information is on my webpage for the radio show. So deep breath. I just want to thank you for tuning in again to Transformation and Change Radio. And our next time, September 14th, is a new time because Labor Day is the 7th. So 
We're able to move it to the second week of November, 1 p.m. Eastern on Monday, September 14th. And we will do more core concepts and tools about how to create inclusive organizations, how to sustain transformation and change in everything we do, and keep building our own awareness and sustainability as change agents, focusing on us. How can we live our passion, speak up, speak our truth, and live on purpose? So thank you again. Have a wonderful month and all the best. I'll see you next time. You've been listening to Dr. Kathy O'Bear on Transformation Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to catch us next time as Kathy inspires listeners to become agents of change, motivate, innovate, and speak truth to power. Step into the courageous you that will change the world. Connect to life-changing conversations to extend your reach. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com.